Before we start this week's show, we have a very special thanks. As some of you might know, we held a special live stream this Sunday covering all the most important topics from Election Day. It was great to see so many of our listeners present. Thank you so much for your support, and please don't forget to tune in again on October the 30th when we will be covering the runoff election and announcing Brazil's next president live on air. We were also delighted to see that we got some new members on Buy Me A Coffee during the weekend. If you're new here and haven't heard about Buy Me A Coffee memberships, you should know that the Brazilian Report is funded by subscriptions and support from loyal readers. Besides subscribing to our website and getting exclusive daily content on Brazil and Latin America, you can also sign up on Buy Me A Coffee and buy us one to five cups of coffee a month just to keep us motivated throughout this election season and beyond. In return, you get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today, I want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Michael Fryer, Jim Awofadeju, David Dixon, Felipe Saito, José Rose Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Innes, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftar, Tonika Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and then someone who chose to remain anonymous. And if you are just like them and believe in the importance of independent journalism, and also if you want to hear your name on our podcast, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. If you cannot make a monthly commitment, you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then to give us the energy boost we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. And we appreciate every support you can give us. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. The dust is still settling after the first round of Brazil's general elections on Sunday. Center-left challenger and former president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva finished first, but fell just short of the 50% of votes he needed to clinch the race in the first round. Far-right President Jair Bolsonaro, meanwhile, performed much, much better than expected. Reputable posters had his support at around the mid-30% mark, but he managed to win over 43% of the vote, just 6 million shy of Lula's 48%. Nós vencemos a mentira o dia de hoje. Estava o Datafolha dando aí 51% a 30 e poucos. The pair will now go head-to-head -head in the October the 30th runoff. And what once looked like a foregone conclusion will now go right down to the wire, especially considering that there are another four weeks of campaigning before the final vote. Isso para nós é apenas uma prorrogação. 
E vai ser importante, porque vai ser a primeira chance da gente fazer um debate tete a tete com o presidente da República. But as we often say at the Brazilian Report, the presidential election was not the only game in town, and congressional races are arguably even more important to determining the path the country will take in the coming four years. And in this regard, Jair Bolsonaro has already scored a big, big victory. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, this is Explaining Brazil. To break down some of the trends we saw in this election, we welcome back Beatriz Hay, senior researcher at the Center for Studies on the Brazilian Congress at the State University of Rio de Janeiro and a columnist for the Brazilian Report. Bia, thanks for being back with us. And to kick off, what were your first impressions as you saw the results roll in on Sunday evening? Uh, so I think what we learned is that the extreme right is here to stay in Brazil. Uh, the left as well, as we it was revealed by the percentage of people uh, who voted for the PT, but that we knew. Political scientists thought that the 2018 election was an anomaly because Bolsonaro got elected with an unknown party doing social media campaigning, um, but that was not the case, and that's what I take from, from the results. The extreme right is here to stay in Brazil. And as well as seeing the president grab a pretty large percentage of votes nationwide, we also saw that even though he lost in Brazil's northeast states, typically a workers' party stronghold, he actually managed to improve his vote count there in comparison to four years ago. And the same was true in the Amazon. Why do you think that happened? Uh, it's hard to tell at this point. Uh, what, so one of uh, my colleagues, Fernando Meirelles, have been, he has been doing some um, micro data analysis since yesterday. And what he says is that Bolsonaro was able to penetrate um, more regions in, in the country, but he lost strength in urban areas. So there might be an urban uh, rural cleavage uh, coming out of this election. That is very uh, that is similar to what we see in the U.S. By the way, so I think it's it, we're starting to unpack the results um, more and more, and I think that's one possibility that there is an urban uh, rural cleavage defining the vote for Bolsonaro. Do you think that we might have underestimated the incumbency bias here? I mean, before Sunday, we had never seen an incumbent president lose a first-round vote. And Bolsonaro, while he did come second, this was the tightest first round ever. Uh, I think it's hard to answer that question, Ian. Like, I, I think there are a lot of things going on that we still don't understand. Uh, yesterday, I was uh, really bothered by <laughs> uh, social media people saying that what happened was that the, the strategic voting coordinate, movement coordinated by Lula backfired. Um, we, we don't have any evidence to support that, right? Uh, I think we, we need to look more and more at the results and see exactly what happened uh, on Sunday. And, and, It's a multifaceted phenomenon. There is no one explanation that will be able to uh, 
exp- that will be able to uh, reveal what what is going on with Bolsonaro. Uh, we do know that the president used a lot of his uh, incumbent resources, uh, as uh, we have been discussing the the cash transfer program that he enacted. Uh, he bypassed fiscal laws to do that, so he used that to his advantage, and that might have had an effect. So on the subject of aid payments, the Bolsonaro administration has already announced an extra 13th monthly payment of Auxilio Brasil benefits, and it will bring forward one of the transfers to make sure that people's accounts will be filled before the October the 30th vote. Do you think there's a chance that this will tip the scales for Bolsonaro? Uh, n- not really. It's it's a, it, we have three weeks. Um, he's gonna do everything he can to take advantage of the incumbent effect. Uh, he can't do much through Congress. I don't think he has time to go through that again. But he can use the executive power uh, and the it, the resources of of the office. Uh, if that's gonna work, I don't know. Uh, I think we also have to understand all of that in the context of Lula. Talking to other candidates, Simone Tabic and Ciro Gomes, and how those two people are going to, what they're going to support. And Simone Tabic, it seems like it's going to be supporting Lula. She's going to support Lula. And Ciro's party seems to be moving in that direction, too. So all of those things will happen at the same time. Uh, And it might be not enough for Bolsonaro, even with that, uh, to win the election. Now, one of the main talking points here uh, when we're talking about the underestimation of Bolsonaro's support goes to polling institutes. The most reputable service had Bolsonaro's vote total in the mid-30s. But he ended up with about 43%. Why did they get it so wrong? And can we trust them ahead of the runoff? I think people make too much of the polls. Uh, I think they are a photograph of uh, the moment which the data is collected or are collected, sorry. Um, They are not election results, right? Uh, I think that there is something uh, in terms of the polls not being able to capture the extreme right vote, not just in Brazil. Um, But I think that we need to, like the Polling institutes need to get together with political scientists and uh, people who do statistics and and talk about how to model this. Uh, I don't think we should discredit the polls. That that, that to me is a disservice. Uh, We should learn how to use them better. We've talked several times about the importance of congressional elections and the likelihood that the next legislature would be overwhelmingly right-wing. Now, that was definitely the case looking at the election results, but were you expecting the new Congress to be that conservative? Yes, I was. Uh, I have been saying this for months uh, for many reasons. I think um, so. a lot of these, uh, what we saw is that the renovation rate is lower this this time compared to the previous election. you had a major tool in the hands of people running for re-election, which was the secret budget. Uh, I also think that um, I started to see that the the candidates that there were there was an increase in the number of extreme right candidates, um, and so I I thought that they would 
some of them at least would get elected and that 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 happen uh what we see is the congress like the the house is um Slight, like it's a little bit more conservative. Or uh, and and please understand, when we say conservative, we have to uh, we have to separate that. We also have that group of parties, um, the big center, that really basically dances with the flow, right? Um, the extreme right people that uh, are within this party is that the ones who support President Bolsonaro, but still they are not. Um, part of the PT's coalition. So what I, I group them all as to the right, um, just to clarify. Uh, but yeah, I, I was expecting that. And I think uh, if Bolsonaro is reelected, he's he's going to have an easier um, path in, in building a, a basis of support. And Lula, the opposite. He's going to have to negotiate with the Centro and uh, we don't know the size of how how many of uh, the lawmakers, how many legislators from the Centro are bolsonaristas. I don't think that there are too many, but in in any case, Lula is going to have to negotiate with the Centro, the big center. Regarding what you said about bolsonarism being a consolidated force, we didn't just see that with the presidential vote. All the biggest pro-Bolsonaro quote-unquote celebrities, for, for a lack of a better word, won their elections, while those who turned on the president were left out. Did we see a coattail effect here? Uh, it might be. Um, it might be just a coattail effect. Uh, we don't know. The one thing that uh, stood out yesterday for me, and still uh, my colleague Fernando Mireles uh, in his analysis, uh, he did not find a correlation between the mortality rate by COVID-19 and, and the vote. Um, so basically, uh, people did not care about the way that the pandemic was handled. And you saw that like in Rio, you have the election of uh, General Eduardo Pazuelo, right, um, who was responsible for uh, just for the mishandling of the pandemic, uh, who was Minister of, uh, of Health. So I, I don't know. I think there is uh, there is something there to just the bolsonarismo and, and these people being associated with it that make that that lead people people just want to vote for that movement, right? Um, the extreme right bolsonarista movement, um, and that's how these people are getting elected. For months, we've discussed the fears of Bolsonaro launching a power grab if he loses this election. Where do we stand on that now? Is he likely to ease off seeing as he has a chance of winning the vote democratically? I think it's interesting that the, they did not try to discredit the electoral system right after this uh, Sunday, right? Because, uh, I mean, you see some movements doing that, but the president himself seems very uh, quiet on that matter. And I think it's because they are also caught by surprise by the amount of votes that he received. But there is no logic uh, in Bolsonarismo, right? The fact that um, he he outperformed in the first round uh, doesn't mean that he's not going to contest the results of the election in the second. If he loses, I would not discard the possibility that he he says that the the the, poll, the, the electronic voting was fraud frauded and, and that we shouldn't trust the results because basically the lack of logic is one of the things that defines the movement. 
As we often say, Bia, if Brazil were to have a bellwether state in elections, that would be Minas Gerais in the southeast. It is the country's second largest in terms of population, and no president has ever won the election without taking Minas, not since the 1950s, and that was a whole different uh, electoral system then. On Sunday, it was one of the few states that moved away from Bolsonaro in relation to 2018. But Minas just handedly re-elected its libertarian governor, Romeu Zema, who has now come out in support of Bolsonaro. Do you think that could sway things and potentially push Minas back to the incumbent? It could. Uh, I think Lula is going to have to do a lot of campaigning in, in Minas Gerais. Um, his candidate, uh, the PT candidate, Kalil, did not take off at all, as, uh, as the, the results show. Uh, I think both candidates are going to um, battle in that, in that state specifically. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what comes out because you're going to have a governor using his, uh, his exposure and his uh, successful election uh, in favor of Bolsonaro. Uh, but Lula did win that state in the first round, so it's going to be interesting to see. So, Beatriz, this was a fascinating first round any way you look at it. Not only was the first time an incumbent got second place, but it was also the closest first round in Brazil's democratic history. And even though his supporters are a bit down after the result, Lula was only 1.5 percentage points away from clinching their election on Sunday. Now, there's a long way to go. Four weeks is an eternity in Brazilian politics, but any predictions for the runoff uh, or is it too close to call? What does your crystal ball tell us? <laughs> it's too close to call. Um, I, I still think that a Lula victory is likely, but um, we were all caught by surprise with the amount of votes that the president uh, the current president uh, received. So it's too close to call for me. I think um, what I'm expecting to see uh, from the Lula campaign is a move even more to the center. Um, I think uh, I saw something today about how the PT is considering, considering writing a letter to evangelicals. I think they're going to like do several movements to reach out to the voters that he needs. Uh, and likewise, that's what I would expect Bolsonaro to do. And um, he needs the female voter. Uh, we're not sure if he can get those. Uh, I would expect if if the campaign is run rationally, I would expect him to moderate his uh, behavior and not attack democratic institutions. I don't think he can control himself, but that would be the logical thing to do. Um, but we have three weeks of campaign, so a lot can happen. Beatriz, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on this podcast. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and this will help us reach a broader audience. Or better yet, sign up for the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your subscriptions fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we have been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively and with original content. 
And for our work, we have been shortlisted for two entries in the Online Journalism Awards, which are decided by ONA, the Online News Associations. We got finalists for excellence in newsletters and general excellence in online journalism. And in order to keep doing that work, we need your subscription. Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. And Explaining Brazil will be back next week.